are more stories told about God all over the world than you and I could even begin to count or think about. And most people would try to tell us that they're the same in the way they look at it. We talk about God, that everybody's view may be a little bit different, but they're all talking about the same. But don't you dare believe it. See, grace sets us apart. Grace sets us apart from every other religion and every other thought that mankind has. It's what makes it possible for you and for me to experience the world of life that God has for us, the forgiveness of our sin and the benefits of all that he wants for us to know. Grace is something that God has done for us that we could not do for ourselves, something that has happened because of his great love for us and all that he has done and everything that's about. Grace is the work of God, not the work of man. It is the very heartbeat of God as as His blood flows with an anxiousness, a longing, a loving to reach us and touch us and cause us to know and understand what He's provided for us in Christ Jesus. Grace is the most amazing gift of God that you and I can imagine and begin to take hold of and experience in our own lives as we think about it. It's something that has been planned by God for you and for me throughout eternity that we would experience it, that we would know it, that we would understand it in every way that we can. I want to read a few verses out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning with you and share those. And In fact, I'm going to read the same verses next week and talk a little bit different idea about it as we look at it. But today, I want us to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and beginning in verse 14 and reading through the end of the chapter and listen to those words as they speak to us about God's great grace and what he has done for us. And Paul's understanding of it is the Holy Spirit touches his life. So I invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word and just hear what God has to say to us through Paul. Paul's writing as the Holy Spirit directs him, says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he was committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then hear these words carefully. He, God, made him, Christ, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture and think about it and, and try to just begin to get a, a very, I know, very small understanding of the greatness of what you have done for us in Christ Jesus and, and all that is involved in this, I pray that you would just remind us of all that you have done in our life, that you would cause us, Father, to be overwhelmed this morning again by the grace of God and how that grace has affected each and every one of us who've turned to Christ and experienced him in our own lives and understood what it meant to be brought from death to life, from darkness into the light. Father, to understand what it means to have something happen that could not happen apart from the grace of God, something that's so great, so miraculous, so amazing that, Father, it's beyond explanation, it's beyond the words that can be told, that you would leave the heaven of all the kingdom and come to this place and dwell among us 
and live in such a fashion that you could become that perfect sacrifice that would take upon all the sins of mankind and become literally sin upon the cross that we might be dressed in the righteousness of God if we would trust that finished work of Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray that you would remind us, that you would teach us, that you would just speak to our hearts this morning. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. As we look at this and think about it together and realize what's going on here, I want to kind of review just quickly that verse 21 and then go back and pick up those verses preceding it and what was going on because there's just so much here to think about and to deal with and to be a part of it. You may need to excuse me for getting a little bit excited, maybe talking a little bit too fast this morning, but I, there's so much here and it's so amazing to me what God has done and how great our God is and how amazing what He has done in our lives. Just to think about it as we look and see here, the Bible says that God made him, his own son, Jesus Christ, to become sin in order that you and I might be dressed in the righteousness of God and being a part of that. What we need to understand, let me just read it as words of one other person said, when God made him to be sin, it says it this way, can anyone begin to imagine every killing and every rape, every war and every genocide, every act of slavery, imprisonment and greed, every wife who ever has been slapped, abused or left behind, every child who's been molested, every pencil that's been stolen, every lie that's been told, every father left abandoned, every mother cheated on, every cancer, every disease, every third world starvation, every shame, every betrayal, every fear and frustration, all the rioting and all the hatred and bigotry and all the things that goes on. It goes on and on and on and on. Human history from day one to beyond, written in the sin and painted in all the agony that is the result in every inch of it, every cry ever uttered, every tear ever wept, every drop of blood ever spilled, the sins and caves in on him and all that... On, on that Golgotha day, that's the death that Jesus paid. That's the price he relinquished for our sin. That's the race he bled, that's the race he bled to complete. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, according to Isaiah. And by his wounds we are healed. Everything evil in this world, everything that you can imagine from the tiniest little so-called white lie to the most horrendous, brutal, mass murdering that we see in our world. Every bit of it became what Jesus was on the cross. He became sin. He who knew no sin. He who had no concept of sin. Literally became sin upon the cross so that God could take the justice of holiness and pour out the wrath of heaven upon His own Son and all the justice of God that had to be met because the Bible says the wages of sin is death and the sinner must pay for that price. And God paid that price for us in His Son Jesus Christ when He poured out His wrath upon Christ Jesus upon the cross of Calvary as He became sin. One day long ago, Jesus Christ stripped Himself of His righteousness climbed upon a cross in order that you and I might strip ourselves of our unrighteousness and be dressed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, when God looks at you and when God looks at me and He sees us for who we are in Christ, He sees us as pure and spotless and holy. Not because that's who we are, but because that's what has been done for us in Jesus Christ. Because we have been covered in the blood of Christ and all that's going on as He says that and as He talks about that. This is amazing as we look and see what God has done for us. But let's go back to the verses before that and just kind of see where Paul is building up and, and being a part of it as he looks at it. Paul is just overwhelmed with grace. See, when, when, when grace got a hold of him, it got a hold of him good. He really knew what it meant to be touched by God's grace. He understood what it was to be a sinner. 
He recognized that he had no right whatsoever to be with God. He recognized that he had no right to claim God's love for his life. And that's true of any of us. Most of us fail to realize that, but all of us are sinners. All of us have fallen short of God's glory, and none of us have a right to be loved by God. None of us have a right to be accepted by God, to be forgiven by God. And, and Paul knew that. Boy, he understood it well. He recognized that he, of all people, was unworthy to tr be trusted by God, to be loved by God, to be forgiven by God, and even be commissioned by God to be a fellow worker in the kingdom of God and all that was going on as he looked about it and as he said. And as he goes on, and so he talks about it. He says, I have, I've been constrained by the love of God. See, what love does, it doesn't restrain us. It constrains us. It, it, what it does, it, it gets a hold of us. And once it gets a hold of us, it possesses our heart and our mind. And we can't help but want to tell people about what God did in our life. We can't help but want to talk about the grace of God and the wonder of God's love in our heart. We can't help but do it. That's what he was saying. I am being constrained by God. I don't, it's not about me anymore. I don't live for me, he said. I live for God. He's changed my life. He's changed my attitude. He's changed my thinking. He's changed everything about me so that now my life is about Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did for me. I just want to tell people about Jesus. I want people to know about the grace of God. I don't want anybody to miss heaven. I don't want anybody to miss the goodness of God. I want them all to know. And so he poured out his heart, his life. He said, it, it constrains me. It just possessed me. It causes me to want to tell and relate the word to everybody that I can, that, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of all that's going on. And so he talks about that and he deals with that, uh, that idea that God has taken hold of his heart and now he no longer lives for himself, but now he lives for God. And what a word that you and I need to hear today. See, that ought to be true of every one of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ. That we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for the glory of our God. For our Christ who died for us and saved us and brought us everlasting life. That's where we ought to be and where we need to be in our lives as we grow and understand what God's doing in our lives. That We would be under that same constraint. That we'd be under that same possession. That we'd be so full of the grace of God. So full of God's love in our heart and all that he's done for us that we couldn't help tell about it. You know, we don't have any trouble talking about, there's a few of us that are a little older in here, and most of us don't have any trouble talking about our grandkids or talking about any other thing going on in our life. You ask, and we'll get a lot more information than you wanted. There's always more to say than anything that you want to listen to, as we deal with it. And most of us are really good if someone asks us how we're feeling. We, we don't mind spending two or three hours telling them how we don't feel good. We'll go on and on and on talking about all the ails and ailments and aches in our body and all the things that we're experiencing and everything that's possibly wrong. And we go, and some of us have learned you don't ask some people how they feel because you don't have time. You, as you deal with it, there, you know, we're willing to talk about anything except the greatest thing in all the world. It, it shouldn't bother us whatsoever to be able to tell people about the grace of God and the wonder of God and how great God is and what he did. The creator of the universe gave himself for us that we might have everlasting life. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, that God made him, Jesus Christ, to be the curse that we should have experienced in order that we wouldn't have to ever be under the curse of God. Romans 8, 1, as I've mentioned many times, says there's therefore no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus because he took the condemnation upon himself for us. 
There's things to talk about when we think about grace, folks. It's good news to know that we're loved by God. It's good news to know that God values us so very much, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, that He gave His only begotten Son that you and I might have everlasting life. It didn't matter. Every single one of us are offered that gift. Every single one of us have the possibility of being covered in the grace of God and all that God is doing and has done and will continue to do for the people of God and the things that are there. It's ours to experience and to be a part of as he talks about it, as he deals with it, and as he comes to that. It's, a, it's an amazing grace that he's talking about. It's grace so beyond anything that can be put into words that you and I need to know about it. And Paul just says, well, grace got a hold of me. And when it got a hold of me, I couldn't help but telling people about it everywhere that I went. And you see that again. It was just like you meet Paul. and People would talk to Paul and Paul would say, let me tell you something. I was a sinner, but God got a hold of me and he changed my life and I've never been the same. And ever since he changed my life, I can't help but telling people, let me tell you about Jesus Christ and what he's done. He met somebody else on the street. Hey, did you know that God changed my life? He made, a, he made me a saint. He brought me into the kingdom of God. He changed me forever. He gave me grace. Grace so amazing that he forgave all my sin. I, who was the cheapest of all sinners, became one who was able to produce, per, talk about, proclaim the greatness of God in all that. He gave me a privilege, an opportunity to talk about the most important and the most wondrous thing that's ever been accomplished in all of eternity, that God so loved me. He loved me that he gave his only son. That's grace, people. That's what God is. That's the heartbeat of our God who just wants us to know and experience Him in the fullness. And, and Paul was so caught up in that reality. That's what he said he wanted to talk about and deal with it. We didn't read verse 13. I didn't read verse 13. But you know, if it talks there that he's not crazy. He just sold out. You know, he, 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 he said, sometimes I just get so caught up in, in grace and I get talking about it, and I get so excited about it that some people may think I'm out of my mind. But that's okay, because I'm not. And he said, I try to control myself when I'm around people so that they won't think I'm crazy, and they'll listen to the message. But he couldn't help it, because he was so consumed with the grace that was there. You remember, even when he appeared before King Agrippa, Paul said, Oh, King Agrippa, I'm not mad. I'm not crazy. I just got the greatest news you've ever heard that I want to tell you about. See, that's what it is to experience it and to let it get a hold of us. To get a hold of us so that it changes who we are and what we're like and what's going on in our hearts and our minds as we understand the grace of God and what a great gift it was. Most of us don't really get a hold of grace because we're not willing to accept that we're sinners. We don't want to acknowledge that we needed a savior. We really don't want to admit that we were bad enough that we couldn't somehow eventually make it to heaven on our own. But folks, there's no one going to get there on their own. No one. And we need to understand that and we need to accept that and we need to thank God that he made the way possible through Jesus Christ. For us, though we don't deserve it, though we have no means by which we can get there, to be able to know that we have an eternal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he did for us. He did for us. We didn't do anything. We have the possibility, the, pos the promise, if we will accept it, it can change our lives forever. But it makes a difference. And See, he talks about that. And then he goes on and he talks about some more, and I'll talk about that more next week, but he talks about how God, because of this grace, 
God was in Christ that was reconciling us. You see, we, we sinned against God. And, and reconciliation means when a relationship is broken, what needs to happen is that relationship has to be brought back together. And typically that would mean the person who broke that relationship needs to do something to make it right. Well, there's nothing we could do. So God, in Christ, reconciled us to him. That's grace. See, God did what was necessary for us to be back together so that we can now say, as the Bible says, we can cry out, Abba, Father, because He has saved us and He lives within us and we're His children by the grace of Almighty God and what He's done in our lives. And we can have that because He reconciled us to Himself. He restored a broken relationship. He brought us back into the family that we had deserted because of our sin in our life as being a part of it. And He says He doesn't want to count sin against anyone. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all people to come to, be, to know Jesus Christ as we see and understand that and recognize now that that's not a license to sin. He's not saying just because he wants everybody to come, it's okay to sin because I'm going to forgive it. Not at all. See, if you think that, if you think it's okay to sin because you can be forgiven and over and over and over again, then you didn't get grace. You didn't get grace and it certainly didn't get a hold of you. Because when you know grace, when you experience Christ, you understand you've got a new heart, a new mind, a new nature. And what you want to do more than anything else is please God. Please God. Not ourselves, but Him. And all that we're doing and all that we're about, we want to please Him in the things that are going on and recognizing that as we understand the grace of God. And so he says, I don't want anyone to perish. And you and I have been given that opportunity to be a part of that great ministry of God as we look and understand what it is that he's doing to reach a world through grace and all that's going on. But then what we, we really need to catch hold of as, as we kind of bring this to a close for this morning is the idea of the lavishness of grace. See, grace isn't cheap. We sometimes look at it that way because it doesn't cost us anything. All I have to do is confess my sin and say to God, I, you know, I'm a sinner and I know I cannot save myself, but I believe with everything within me that what you did in Christ Jesus up on the cross in the resurrection is sufficient, satisfying to you to grant me salvation. And I trust that finished work of my Savior for my salvation. He did it. I just receive it. It didn't cost me anything. But folks, it cost him everything. It cost God everything that he was. He gave everything that he had in Christ Jesus that you and I might be forgiven, accepted, called the very children of God, adopted into his family by his grace, part of his kingdom for all eternity. It cost him everything. And he paid it willingly. Even as the song earlier said, isn't it amazing that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, would leave the glory of heaven and come to this place? Have you looked around? Have you met anybody? Why would he come here? Why would he want to have anything to do with us? But he came. And he not only came, but as he came, he came understanding and knowing that in his coming that he would have to be put upon a cross and die to pay for our sinfulness. He came knowing what it would cost. See, we, we can even go back. When, when God breathed into Adam that breath of life and Adam became a living being, he understood and even in that moment that as he breathed into Adam, he was exhaling his own life where he would die for that breath. 
it would cost him everything. And he did it anyway. He did it anyway. He looked through eternity. And I can't explain eternity to you. I can, I can tell you that I know that God sees everything that, from the beginning to the end as though it's right now. I don't know how that happens. I don't understand that in the least. But I do know that God already saw you and he already saw me and he breathed into him anyway. Because of grace. Because God so loves you and he so longs for you to be in a relationship with him that is eternal and everlasting, so full and amazing, so abundant and beyond anything that we can imagine that he gave himself freely. See, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, while we were still at enmity with him, while we had no desire for him whatsoever, he demonstrated his love to us and that Christ died for us. See, he didn't wait for us to come. That's what a lot of us like. Do you prove to me you're worthy and I might do something? Not God. God knew we'd never be worthy. We'd never be able to do anything that would be worthy of his love and of his forgiveness, of his life. And he loved us anyway. And so that we would know that and believe that and, and be able to take it to heart, he came and he died upon the cross. So I could, he could say to me, this is me showing you I'm willing to pay whatever price it takes to love you and to draw you into my family. Because he does love us. He, he does. Amazing. Isn't it amazing that God would come to this place? Isn't it amazing that he'd come to where we are and that he would give his life for our life? Wasn't a very fair exchange. But that's what grace is. Does what we cannot do because of the heart of the Father that so reaches and loves us that whatever it costs, whatever it takes, he was willing to do so that you and I could be right with him. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we think about grace, I understand and I confess that there's no words that I can say, there's nothing I can do that even begins to honor that concept, that idea, that reality of grace. But God, I pray somehow through the power of your spirit this morning that you've reminded us who know you already that, that we have nothing but rejoicing to do for your grace, that we ought to be so full of the wonder and the awe and the amazement of what it is to be saved by the work of God in Christ Jesus, that we could never cease to be amazed, that we could never cease to be in awe, that we could never cease to feel the joy and the wonder of what it is to be a child of the living God. Father, I also pray that anyone who might be here or listening, watching by Facebook or whatever, that has never genuinely experienced that grace, has never really allowed that grace to take hold of their life and, and to cleanse them of their sin and to bring them into the family of God, that somehow this morning that you have been working in their heart and their mind and you've been moving and removing all the barriers and all the excuses and all the things they've used in time and, and just opened up their hearts to receive you that they might know the grace of God in their own life and be saved and have everlasting life by the work of God. Father, we know that it's by grace that we're saved, not of works, because if we could do it by works, we'd all be going around bragging about what great people we are. We can't do it ourselves. There's nothing we can do. But by the grace of God, we have the opportunity to be saved, to be brought into the family of God, to be redeemed, to have our debt paid, a debt so great we could never pay it. But you have paid it in Christ Jesus for us. 
Father, bring joy back into our hearts. Bring renewal back into our lives. Bring, Father, that, that desire to, to just want everybody to feel the wonder of what it is to be touched by grace and help us to be the instruments through whom you share that grace with the world around us. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.